And welcome one and all, it's that special time of the week again. It's time for another installment of Cape TV. I, of course, am Cape Jewel, your host as you were, and joining me is my co-host as he was. It's Matt. Yes, I, I was and still am. You was and still am and always will be then, now, forever, Cape TV. And a million years, <laughs> Cape TV in the future. Joel and Matt and a million years adventures going out there having fun. <laughs> we, we were just talking about Rick and Morty before we started. Apparently, uh, in what might be one of the greatest April Fool's jokes ever, they actually premiered the first episode of season three today. <laughs> Yeah, and people still don't believe it's real. They don't. They were having a stream of it, and then it stopped and started again, and they're playing it in a loop. Thankfully, uh, some people have bootlegged it. Not that I condone that kind of thing, but when it means I can watch it, that's pretty cool. So they, they, he wasn't planning on like just leaving it up on, like where was it, Adult Swim or something? Yeah, yeah. Are, are, they, are they like, is it only going to be up there for a limited time? Yes, till midnight. Oh, wow. Because then it's officially not April Fool's anymore. <laughs> kind of smart, huh? This might be the best April Fool's joke they've done in a while. Because, again, if you saw it and you tried to tell people about it, they'd think you were crazy. And because you only have, like, a 22-minute window to catch it, there's a good chance people wouldn't catch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, before we hop into the show as we normally do, I wanted to send a big thank you and shout out to Colin Shepard, a fan of ours who actually sent us a nice piece of fan mail, Matt. Oh, awesome. Yes, he tweeted me saying, I've taken to listening to my favorite new podcast, uh, Cape TV, when I'm working out at the gym. Makes the time go by that much faster. Well, that's what we live to do, Colin. Make the time go faster. <laughs> yeah. And it does go by really fast when we start talking about comics. It's true, you know, we uh, we always intended this show, Cape TV, to be like the short one, and yet even though we intended it to be that way, it ends up being as long as our other show sometimes. It's true. And it's that's true. another nice thing too, Matt, because we are on so many shows, both together and other places and everything, it's nice for someone to say, you know what, Cape TV is my favorite one. <laughs> Yeah, especially since it's a new one. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes uh, makes it feel like uh, makes the work all worthwhile, doesn't it, there, Matt? It does. So with that, I guess we'll kick on over to you, as I often do, to let you open up the show because the first show we're talking about, because it airs the earliest in the week, is Supergirl, <laughs> and this week it was season two, episode seventeen, Distant Sun. Yeah, this was. I guess you could say the. The mid-season finale, I mm. guess maybe. There was a lot uh, of that it goes, this week. Yeah, it goes on a break for a, I'm, I'm not sure how many weeks, couple of weeks, but um, this one saw a bunch of intergalactic bounty hunters coming to Earth and coming after Kara, mm. uh, since she's had a bounty put on her head by Shocker Terry Hatch's character, <laughs> uh, who is Monel's mother. Were any of these bounty hunters Lobo? Because if so, that would be so amazing. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Were any of them Bullfunga? Because there's a lot of really good bounty hunters in DC lore they could pull out. Um, I'm not too sure. They had one that had like a, like a laser eye. Uh, they had one that had he had this really cool effect that when he used like his his mind control powers on Monel, his his like skull like 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 morphed and everything and and shuddered and everything it looked really cool nice. uh, and uh, they had like a bunch of other ones that were sort of like miscellaneous bad guys um but yeah it was a really cool episode it was a really character driven episode especially for monel who was kind of like the main 
focal point in this since he, he finds out his parents kind of betrayed him and everything. And uh, it actually ends with Kevin Sorbo's character being killed. Oh, shit. He didn't last long, did he? No, and I kind of kind of got that at the, at the start of the episode because he wasn't in the usual character credits. He was in the special guest star mm. credit. And, and usually when that happens, the character's not going to be around for very long. Now, is this another Kevin Smith-directed episode? I think so. I didn't really pay attention, but I'm pretty sure it was. And he, he, for the most part, these, it was actually pretty good. Because I was going to say, he directs these CW shows so frequently now, it's almost not special anymore. It's like, oh yeah, hey, Kevin Smith's doing another episode now. Yeah, when he was just doing like Flash, it was like, oh wow, that's that's pretty cool. They got in like kind of an actual director to do all this sort of stuff. Yeah, he did a but really yeah, good now, episode, now if I remember. Yeah, now it's like, ah, uh, he's directed like six or seven of them or something. Because I'm just reading some notes here. Yeah, apparently Kevin Smith did direct this episode, and coincidentally, it featured the return of The Portal from Supergirl Lives, which was the last episode that he directed. Yeah, they used The Portal to get on the, the, the uh, Daxamite ship. Nice, nice, okay. Yeah, it was a really cool episode. It was, I guess, kind of a bottle episode, but also addressed like the stuff from the the Flash crossover and the episode before that with Monel and Kara's relationship and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty cool. I'm noticing a lot of fans. Some are actually getting a little upset at all the extra time that it seems that Monel is getting over the last little bit. They're like, "Oh, is this becoming the Monel show now?" At this point. I like it. It's good. He's a, he's an important character. He's not like just some character who's been made for the show or something. He's he's quite an important character in the Superman family. So and if he I'm keep, glad he's getting something. And if he keeps getting as popular as he is, and they keep giving him this focus again, because Matt and I keep talking about it, don't be shocked if they spin him off into a Legion show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Although they might have to call it something different now because there's already a Legion that we'll be talking about later when we talk about Legends because that's just like the shorthand for it. It would be confusing if they had two completely different Legions. Yeah, that's true. So you, you liked this episode overall? You would say uh, Distant Suns? What, 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 what would you think? I, I, I liked it. I'd probably give it about an 8, eight out of 10. Um but yeah, it was a pretty good run, and it definitely sets up the latter half of the season with Terry Hatch's character as like mm. the big bad guy. So that that's pretty cool. From uh, from what you're telling me, the series has really found its footing in the last little bit, and the last couple episodes have been pretty strong. It has. It's it's been since coming over to the CW, it's not been afraid to do comic book storylines. Whereas before, when it was on, was it on N- N- NBC or something? One of those. Was, I can't remember. Yes, CBS or something. I cut the cable cord so long ago, I mix up the ABCs and the NBCs and the CBCs and everything else. (laughs) Yeah, when it was on there, it wasn't really comic booky, but now that it's on CW, it really is. Mm. Now, uh, I guess moving on from Supergirl, a show that, from what you're telling me, has improved greatly, to a show that, mm, mm, after the great duet episode, I hate to say... Is kind of running in place now, no pun intended, but that's The Flash Season 3, Episode 18, Abracadabra. Yeah, so we got 
comic book abracadabra. And I'm actually surprised they actually kind of made him comic accurate. He's they didn't make him a metahuman like they did Mirror Master. No, no, he actually does have technology from the future. And I'm like, all right, that's a pretty good you know, continuity pull. He is suitably weird and suitably out there. His costume isn't nearly as crazy. He doesn't have the open shirt and everything, but he is pretty fey and over the top, and there's definitely a lot of Chris Angel mind freak in there. Yeah, and they got the they got the best actor for it as well. David Duxmand or something. Oh, yeah. The guy who was um he was in Ant Man and Dark Knight and everything oh shit really i thought he looked familiar but i couldn't put my finger on it oh yeah really oh yeah yeah he's that foreign guy on on scott's team in ant-man right that's right he's the russian guy isn't he yeah yeah okay see i thought he had one of those faces i'm like oh you're a hard-working character actor aren't you where have i seen you before (laughs) and uh also too having abracadabra that's pretty much the entirety of the rogues now that they have together now, like the classic Flash villains. Yeah, yeah, they, they've got them all now. Yeah, which makes me think like, okay, now that you've got them all together, when are you going to do an episode, please? Yeah, that that's the thing, especially with um, uh, Captain Cold and Heatwave, like what they're up to and everything. Yeah, now that being said, it's pretty clear that there's ways they can work around that problem, and indeed they have yeah. worked around it sometimes. So hey, here's hoping we can get to that. Uh, basically, the plot, and again, this is this is where you know it kind of falls apart to me. Even though they have like a fancy, cool villain, I could not help but feel like we've seen this episode like three or four other times in Flash. Wouldn't you agree? It, it it does feel like it's it's based on some type of like template or something. Villain, a flash template. Yeah, villain shows up, is stealing from a bunch of different tech companies in Central City, which hey, they drop stag industries and they drop cord industries, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, haven't heard them in a while. No, no, I'm glad to see they're bringing them back because, of course, Cord is related to the Blue Beetle franchise and Stag is a reference to Metamorpho. Surprised they haven't pulled the trigger on Metamorpho yet in anything. He seems like he would be a good fit for CW television. Uh, They probably think he's a bit too weird. He kind of is, but I figure, like, you could do a CWized version of him where the makeup's not too crazy, but he's got, like, a bunch of freaky prosthetics and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't be as hard as doing, like, a Red Tornado or a Martian Manhunter. No, that's true. And if you can't tell, this episode was, again, a little forgettable. Matt and I are sitting here talking about Metamorpho. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Abracadabra, he's stealing stuff. Flash has got to stop him. There's a lot of questions they don't answer in this episode, and that is, how did Abracadabra get to this time period, and why does he want to leave all of a sudden? Yeah, I. that's what I don't understand. Like, how did he get here? And, like, why couldn't he use that way to get back? They make it further confusing because we see Gypsy come back once again and find out that Gypsy is hunting Abracadabra down because he killed her partner, who was also her partner. Yeah, yeah, from uh, his, her world. So is this Abracadabra from that world or from barry's future i don't know if so then he's pretty goddamn powerful if he can both jump dimensions and travel in time yeah i i know he did he did he did mention about flash's future and everything but obviously he could have just time traveled to there from another universe or something yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff going on also he clearly knows about the time room 
in Star Labs, which you figure that's got to be quite the secret for them, but in the future, it's not secret anymore. Yeah, I, I have no idea. You'd think they would ask that question, like, hey, how did you find out about this room that's a secret to everyone but us? <laughs> also, the crux of this episode, and I know you were complaining about this on Twitter, and I wholeheartedly agree, they catch Abracadabra pretty early on, but then he starts dangling a carrot in front of them of being like, ooh, I'm from the future, which means I know how your life goes, I know who Savitar is, and I can help you stop him, but all you have to do is let me go. Yeah. And it's a stupid yeah. idea because it's like, why would anyone in their right mind ever believe this guy? He might as well have a sign <laughs> on his chest that says, I am super untrustworthy. Please don't trust me. <laughs> yeah, why? like his hair and everything. You wouldn't trust someone with that type of hair. I wouldn't trust that guy to make <laughs> me a cup of coffee or walk my dog, let alone give me important information about the future. <laughs> and all throughout the episode, like characters – are like, you know, really, really pining and really like, you know, hurting themselves, being like, what do I do in this situation? What is the right thing to do? And I was just yelling at the screen, the right thing to do is nothing. The right thing to do is keep doing what you're doing. Remember what you did did the ten times before when a character did this. (laughs) Yeah, like there's no guarantee he's going to tell you what you want to know. I mean, I guess in the end it makes a little bit more sense that it's Joe who does it instead of Barry, because of course Barry has a bad habit of letting the villains out when he says that they're going to help him. At least I can kind of sort of buy Joe throwing caution and sense to the wind to be like, oh, I need to save my daughter, you know, as a father. You wouldn't understand. You have to be a father. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Even though Joe has usually been shown to have the best head on his shoulders and is shown to really not be as impulsive as that and to like you know be the law and order guy again no pun intended because that actor jesse l martin was on law and order for years and years (laughs) and then you know it comes to the big finale when they eventually defeat him again which you know hey in uh, one positive thing i will say about the episode everyone came together to fight him kid flash gypsy vibe everyone worked together and you know it really showed how much flash has grown in three seasons and how it's basically become a freaking team show now Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Team Flash. Flash and the Flashers. Yeah, that name might need some work, though. <laughs> yeah, somehow I see they're not going to put that on business cards. The Flashers! <laughs> but, so, yeah, they they do that. And then, once again, in a bit of, like, God damn it, Barry, don't you learn. He's like, hmm, you know, I think I learned something from this abracadabra. You know, the reason guys like Zoom and Thawne keep beating us is because they've been to the future. They know what we're going to do before we do it. I think I should run to the future, even though the Speed Force just gave me a harsh talking to a couple episodes about not (laughs) screwing with time. And I went into that super cold crossover saying I can never do that again. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do it again. Yeah, way to unwrite that. I thought that was a real kind of kick in the balls. I mean, I guess if I was really straining to try and make an excuse for it is, you know, all the other times Barry did bad things with time and caused trouble like Flashpoint. It was A, when he was being selfish and trying to help himself out. B, it more involved him screwing with the past than just, like, going to the future to get a look. But even then, at this point, they should know, even if you have, like, a basic understanding of science fiction and how time travel stories work, just by glimpsing the future, you're gonna cause it to change. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it probably will change. Did you see the promo for for the next episode? No, I didn't get the promo attached to mine. What was the promo? Um, he gets his comic accurate costume. Oh shit! Okay, that I saw people tweeting about it with the lightning bolts and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad change. Yeah, something good finally happened. I can live with that change. But, I mean, the costume itself, really all it does is just add some lightning bolts to which makes me think, ah, oh, you know, the other costume wasn't that bad. But you figure, yeah, three seasons in, he's due for another upgrade to the costume, isn't he? He is. He really is. I hope he gets the yellow boots. Oh, that'd be nice. I mean, how many costumes has fucking Arrow had at this point? Oh, God, I have no idea. He got, like, a new one almost every season, didn't he? Pretty much, yeah. Which it's like, goddamn, Green Arrow is so simple. You should have gotten a really good one and stuck with it. But no, 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 we got to keep changing it. He had so many different variations. <laughs> so yeah, that was Abracadabra. I didn't love this episode. I tolerated this episode. Yeah, it definitely suffered from that, that CW writing. Yeah, it sucked that Duet was so good and looked like it showed so much character development and growth and like they were actually making stuff happen, only for them to really take another step back in the next episode. That That's Flash for you. Yeah, I mean, shit. I, I, I keep reminding myself, I'm like, no, but this show was really good, right? But this show like had some good shit. I'm not just watching it out of obligation now. I'm watching it because it's genuinely good and makes good shit happen. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it did have really good episodes, and then, but yeah, the last couple of ones have kind of been eh. Like, like I gotta think, like again, there's been strong episodes like Duet and some other ones, but I think by and large when this season's done, Matt, we might have to sit down and take a look at the episodes as a whole and be like, mm-mm, I don't know, you know, which, which ones were good? How many good episodes versus mediocre episodes or just the straight-up bad episodes? Yeah, I think we're probably going to need to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of a show that has had its fair share of bad episodes, but by God, I never thought I would say this might actually have been the best thing on CW TV this week. Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 16, Doom World. Yeah, so the Legion got the spear and did a Barry Allen and fucked with time. Yeah, oh, reality, not just time. They fucked yeah, with reality. the entire fabric of reality. They basically House of M'd it. They Scarlet Witched it is what <laughs> they did. And made their deepest dreams come true. So now, friggin' uh, Damien Dark is King Mayor of Star City. He's killed all the other heroes. Malcolm Merlin has his family back. We never actually see that, though, because they'd have to pay for those actors to come back, and they're not going to do that. Uh, but he got his hand back, though, and Thawne has defeated the Black Flash. And actually, I'll say this, Matt, I don't know if you picked up on this, I gotta say, they've been doing some really good work with Thawne in the last couple episodes. I love that his idea of a perfect world for him is where he has defeated the uh, the Black Racer, but also where he is in charge of Star Labs. Yeah, it, it, it's really simple. It's it's a really simple. It's not like Malcolm or uh, what's his name, Damien Dark's one, where they want to kind of rule the world and sort of thing. He just kind of wants to be left alone, it's, really. It's so fitting because a he's a genius, which again you know if you watch Flash and they double established it in the uh, space episode of Legends just recently. But even more so, if you want to dig on into his character, the last time Thawne was happy was when he was impersonating Harrison Wells. And getting to live at Star Labs and help all of them out. So I like this is his perfect world. 
Yeah, yeah, run style labs and where yeah, yeah where he's pretty can, cool. Yeah, pretty where cool. he can go back to the last place he was happy. In fact, I wouldn't have been shocked because we saw like the father son relationship he built with Cisco. I'm like, man, a Cisco cameo would be great right about now, where he's like taking Cisco under his wing and Cisco is like his little buddy. Yeah, but instead it's Jax. Yeah, I mean, I guess <laughs> kinda. They, I guess they couldn't get that actor back. Well, it's funny, you know, the villains get their personal heavens, the heroes get their personal hells, and for Stein, his personal hell is to have Jax be his boss and be the guy who stands over him. I guess that that has something to do as well with like the firestorm as well, where Jax is kind of in control of that. Yeah, but not really. And that he kind of hates. He kind of hates that. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, well, what was Jack's personal hell? He got to be a supervisor. <laughs> yeah, he got to wear like a suit and and yell at people. Yeah, how was that a bad thing? That's good. <laughs> uh, Ray is a janitor, which of course, haha, it's funny. You know, a genius is a janitor. Uh, uh, Vixen and White Canary got to be assassins. I'm like, well, that's not bad. They like to do that stuff, or at least one of them does. Yeah, that was just like what they used to do. Yeah, they get to wear fun leather outfits, go out in the night, beat people up. Who doesn't want to do that? Yeah, and, and Nate, Nate's a conspiracy theorist who lives in his mother's basement. Yes, a mother who makes excellent sandwiches, apparently. Yes, and remembers that that, that Ray is gluten intolerant as I, well. I, I don't know why they mentioned that. It was really weird. I love that that's an ongoing joke. In this episode, man, these sandwiches are so good. The perfect ratio of condiments. <laughs> All it took was rewriting reality to have really excellent sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, once again, the big focus for this week and part of the reason why it was so great is that Captain Cold and Heatwave and their friendship relationship took center stage. Yeah, again, I'm glad they did that because I guess... This is all of Mick's fault, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 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 lo and behold, they actually gave him a character arc and made him the one to fix it. Yeah, he broke it. He's got to put it back together. And I like the impetus for him doing that. Is that life under the Legion of Doom is too easy now? There's no thrill anymore. Yeah, like when they're robbing that bank and the cops come in and they're like, oh, it's just Mr. Snow and Mr. Rory. Oh, carry on. Carry on. You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of that bit in Boondocks where uh, where Rummy and uh, the other guy, Wunsler, rob the bank, but because the dude's uh, grandfather is so big, they just let them do it. <laughs> That's instantly what that reminded me of. It's funny, too, to really examine the Heatwave character. Did you ever think he would become the best thing in this show? No, I didn't. It's so great. There's the bit where he finally has it out with Captain Cold, and you realize how far his character has come, and how really the writers, almost by sheer force of stupidity, stumbled into an excellent piece of characterization. Because if you'll recall, back in season one, it was Cold who wanted to be the hero. It was Cold who was, you know, getting more and more heroic every episode, only for Rory to kind of shoot him down and make him feel bad and being like, oh, you know, you lost your fight, you lost your teeth, you know, these heroes, they're keeping you as a pet now. Only for Heatwave to now have come full circle now and him becoming more heroic and him wanting to be a good guy, only for evil snart to try and shoot him down. Yeah, it was a great role reversal. It really, really was. And I mean, you know, we got a great action scene with all the heroes together and all the villains fighting. Thawne remembers he owns a costume. I thought that was a nice touch. <laughs> He's like, oh shit, I own he, a costume. He, he remembers he owned a costume, but he keeps forgetting to put the mask up. <laughs> no, like for a couple seconds, like, I got my mask. Okay, I got to put it down again. 
Yeah. And the one thing I didn't like about this was like why when the, when Jax was trying to convince Stein of who he is, why didn't he just touch him? Yeah. Well, well, cause he would have. He would have. T- no, they, but I reckon he, that would have triggered. It yeah, probably would have triggered things, and it could have been like a reference to the comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, another one of the things about this episode is that obviously, because the villains rewrote the world, the heroes don't have their powers anymore, which is perfectly fitting for this show because these characters forget they have their powers nine out of ten times. <laughs> It's true. So it's there's true. so there's actually a reason for Ray not to use his suit, and there's a reason for Amaya not <laughs> to do animal stuff, and a reason for everything. The only one who really has access to his powers is Heatwave, who remembers to bring his flamethrower. <laughs> Again, he, he's smart. He's thinking. He is the best character, and this is why. Heck, even Thawne has a smart idea of being like, look, okay, so I used the Spear of Destiny to rewrite reality, now I need to destroy it to make sure this world will be forever locked in and they can't get out of it. Yeah, and to destroy it, they need to make like a giant laser gun thing. Hadron Collider something super science. Yeah. Which leads me to believe, I'm like, wait, if you could have just done this, then why were we fighting over the blood of Christ in the previous episode if you could have just built one of these? Yeah. Reasons. Yeah, reasons. World War World War One. Tolkien. Yeah, we had to do that. Oh my God, we've gotten this far and we haven't talked about Rip yet. I never thought these words would come out. Oh of my, my God, mouth. how great was Rip this episode? It was it was amazing, but at the same time, I was really frustrated that you you know he it took him less than a year to go insane and yep. give up and everything. <laughs> and it's the ship who's like Captain Hunter. Why aren't you sending out a distress call? It's too hard. I lost. I don't want to play yeah. anymore. <laughs> make me more booze. <laughs> I just want to make cakes. And then like he's gotten really great at cake making. <laughs> That's just his new thing. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know if he was locked in the whole ship. It looked like they just locked him in the kitchen, and that's his person. Hell, <laughs> just being stuck in a kitchen fair. Why is it that the Rip Hunter character is only interesting when he's brainwashed to be a villain, brainwashed to be a film director, or just gone crazy drunk and making cakes? Because that gives the actor something to do and something to work with, other than your guy in trench coat. Yeah. It's it's so act, amazing. Act dapper. <laughs> yeah, it's so amazing that they can totally turn me around on Rip just by actually giving him things to do. And, uh, oh, God, I feel like there's another thing I'm forgetting. Oh, 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 so, yeah, so the Legion of Doom rewrote history. So did you notice that Star Labs kind of looks like the big floaty skull thing from Super Friends? I did, and I thought that was really cool. They don't draw much attention to it, but I'm like, hey, look, it's the floaty skull thing from Super Friends. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, oh and also, um, goddamn Vixen died. Yeah, fucking Vixen died. I don't think she's really dead, though. I mean, obviously, as with any comic book story, they'll have to put it all back by the end. But yeah, uh, a heroic body count, that's pretty big. Yeah. For a show that doesn't kill people off all that often. Well, I mean, I guess they killed off Rip, but you knew he was coming back, and they killed off Captain Cold, and you knew he was coming back. With Vixen, it's kind of like, I don't know, will they bring her back? I don't know. Oh, well, that's the thing. There's like, it's it was in the... um in that alternate reality so they can just say oh we'll go back to our reality and she's still alive it's like vegas anything that happens in alternate reality stays in alternate reality (laughs) but yeah so doom world ended up being like i think i might come out and say it i think it's the best episode legends of tomorrow has ever done so far it did have a little bit of legend isms about it but 
But uh, yeah, it was a really fun episode. I like alternate reality episodes anyway, so they're always really fun. Yeah, they let you cut loose, do whatever you want. I thought this episode had great action, actually pretty good story development and character development, mainly because it was all about Heatwave and Captain Cold, who are consistently the best on this show. Like, consistently the most well-written. Mm-hmm. Like, they're so well-written, it's like, why do they even need the Legends just spin these two off into their own thing? <laughs> It's true, they just just call them rogues or something. Yeah, th- just do the rogue show. I would totally watch the rogue show. Yeah, uh, I don't know, why is he the best character? I have no idea. Well, because he's consistent, his motivations are simple, hence you always know what he's after. And plus, That's true. And plus, Wentworth Miller and Dominic Purcell are just really, really charming, and they elevate the material that they've been given. That's true. Also, I wouldn't be shocked to a lot of their work, especially together and even their one-liners, feels ad-libbed. It feels like they're going off script in a lot of cases. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Where it's like, look, I'll kind of say what you wrote for me, but I'm going to make it my own, which, hey, is good yeah. for them. Yeah, and it probably helps as well that um, both those actors have done like shows in the past together and everything, so they've kind of got a friendship that too they know each other well in fact they even make a prison break joke in this episode when like heatwave is getting all upset about how easy it is it's like oh come on we'll pull a job we'll get ourselves thrown into iron heights and then we can break out you'll like that right just like old times (laughs) so even they're self-aware and again if you did a rogue show that could be an episode you could throw them and all the other prison break actors who have shown up on the cw into prison together and have them try and break out that's an episode there you go just make it this weird meta episode that's referencing a completely different show (laughs) so yeah there you have everybody legends of tomorrow doom world this show has a lot of ups and downs matt and i have maligned it hell even last week we were shitting on it for being dumb but wow when it can actually you know kind of come back and be like no 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 this is us when we're at our best yeah it was really good this and like the samurai episode from the beginning of the series over the beginning of this season, where it's like, okay, this is what you can do when you actually try. Yep. Now, uh, speaking of samurais, and I was, I figure let's talk about Samurai Jack Season 5, Episode 3. That was the one that aired last... Excuse me, the one that aired last week. Again, sorry for the lateness on this. This show airs while we record this show. Yeah, so this episode is probably the most brutal one so far. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was... Pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, Jack gets messed up, and a good chunk of it is just him kind of nursing his wounds and trying to get back to himself. Again, showing that, man, this show that is so based on action and mood and theming and everything can do so much with, like, no words. Yeah, it, it, it was really great. And he made a new friend as well. He did. The wolf who we saw in the previous episode get messed up by those monsters but escape. It was very it was very wolf's reign for, uh, for all yeah. you anime files out there. And uh, it, it makes sense, too, because, you know, he makes a friend. The wolf kind of warms him, literally licks his wounds, which is what he needed because, you know, it's got antiseptic qualities in it and everything. So that kind of helps him get back to himself. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really great seeing all that. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of great character stuff too with uh, the daughters of Aku, 
who, you know, they're chasing Jack going further and further into a world that they've never seen before. And, like, they get freaked out by this deer. They have no idea what animals are. Yeah, and then they see, like, the um the buck come in and think, because it's got horns, ah, it's Aku, you'll fuck up, fuck up this deer. And then it starts, like, nuzzling the other deer, and they're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's uh, that's really crazy, but also like really good writing too. I noticed like the daughters of Aku, they're in many ways dark mirrors to Jack, as I mentioned previously before, because they lost their childhoods much like Jack to this like extreme training regimen, you know, being taught only to fight, being taught only to be weapons, and this is the most of the world that they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think uh, I think that's really cool. And again, when Jack actually does get his chance to fight them, they've got weapons, they've got everything, they've got the jump on him, but they have this amazing battle in the snow where he, like, one by one takes them apart and takes their weapons. Yeah, the whiteout. That was awesome. Man, the things this show does with color, am I right? Oh my god, it was so amazing. It was so simple as well. Yeah, like, again, they're just using the color white. I had real flashbacks to... Uh, I don't know if you remember the one from the series, but when he fought that ninja who was all dressed in black and blended in the shadow, so of course Jack dressed in all white, and literally those were the only two colors for the rest of the episode. Uh, I vaguely remember it, yeah. It's a pretty good one. That's pretty much what they did here. Yeah, it, it was great, and I like he, he takes them apart one by one, and then as it gets to like the final moment, Jack's like, no, I don't even need a weapon. I will fight you with my bare hands. Yeah, he like cracks one in the face and splits her her mask open and everything. And it's so awesome. Violence was actually kind of the big theme of this episode because obviously we saw Jack take his first human life in episode two. And he really spends a lot of time beating himself up and being like, you know, is this me now? Is this where I'm going to go? In fact, we even get a flashback of Jack's father, voiced by James Hong. And he remembers an instance where he saw his dad kill some motherfuckers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in the um, the the carriage with, with his parents and everything. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and a nice callback to to be like, yeah, his parents are still characters, and it makes perfect sense too. Where it's like, yeah, his dad was like some samurai oyabun emperor guy. Of course, he probably killed some dudes at one point. Yeah, especially when people are just stopping his carriage midway through a journey yeah, to try and kill him. Yeah, try and rob the shit out of him. He's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you picked the wrong guy to try and rob. <laughs> <laughs> and he even takes his father's speech of like, look, you know, the choices you make now will inform who you are from the rest of your life. You can leave now, but if you stay, I will not be held responsible for what happens next. Yeah, and what happens next is he, he wrecks people. He wrecks all of them. And again, too, you know, we're kind of seeing some characterization on that other daughter of Aku, basically the only one who talks to Jack so far, and, you know, the only one who maybe survived her fall, and this idea where it's like, you know, there might actually be something more to these characters if Jack can break through their programming, essentially. Yeah, and I imagine he will with that one as well, or at least make her question Aku's uh, rule and what what he does and everything. Question his bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which, I wonder what they're going to do moving forward now, because it's like, okay, he beat the daughters in only three episodes, and now you know there's more stuff to do. Where, where do you think they're going to go from here? Because I assume that, like, the daughters would be, like, series-long villains, but now he seems to have killed the bulk of them. 
Well, do you reckon like they'll they'll like have other ones that dress exactly the same, so he thinks he hasn't killed them? Mm. Like like you know you, you know how they like kind of do that in movies, how like right. they have like many many faced like like stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Also, too, I mean, we gotta, we kind of got to see who's alive and who's dead in this world. I know it was promised we'd see what happened to the Scotsman eventually. I'd really like to see something like that happen. Mm, yeah. There's also the further mystery of, like, these weird visions Jack is having of, like, you know, an evil-looking samurai on a horse and everything. And it's like, you know, is that a glimpse into the future? Is that Jack fearing what he might become? Or is that, like, the final form of Aku that he must defeat? Yeah, maybe maybe it's both. Mm, that would be something. Uh, furthermore, too, the big question, where has Aku even gone in this world that, like, his followers are trying to bring him back, essentially? Yeah, I'd, I'd really like it if it was, like, in, in the episode, too, how he's just, like, he's just slept in. Yeah, <laughs> he and, just... pe- and people and people and people think, oh, he's he's gone from this world and whatnot. That, that, <laughs> they just can't wake him up. <laughs> that would be very Aku, because like he's a dangerous character, but he's a funny comedy character too. Yeah, I, I I know I mentioned in a previous one. I thought it was like a very Joker Dark Knight Returns thing, where it's like, oh, Jack was inactive for so many years, which meant Aku became inactive because he's like, you know, without without a foil, without an enemy to fight, he didn't see the point in going on anymore. Yeah, he thought it was a bit boring. I suppose too. We're probably gonna have to jump back and answer the question: What the hell happened to his sword? Yeah, I, I imagine we're gonna find that. How many episodes were in this season? Eight. Yeah, so we've got to find out within the next five episodes. I gotta say, you know, credit where credit is due, the pacing has been on point with these. Mm, it's been really good. Every every 22 minutes has felt like a little mini-movie in and of itself. Yep. And I really like that. And again, the music has been awesome. Thank you, guy on YouTube, who uploaded that great piece of music from episode two where they're fighting in the catacombs and everything. That's an amazing piece. Mm-hmm. It starts out like a little spaghetti western. It starts out kind of like a ecstasy of gold, but then it like shifts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that one. I like that one a lot. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just about do it for TV shows this week. Uh, as far as next week goes, Matt, you and I were talking about this before we actually started. Uh, Legion has finished, and Matt and I are gonna try and make good on our promise of Legion, and that is now that it's done. Now that we can watch it all in one lump sum, we're going to go back, we're going to watch it, and we'll tell you what we think next week. Also, I'm sorry I've been dragging my ass and being such a slow bastard. I have only two episodes left of Iron Fist. I will finish that, and then we can come back and talk about all of that. And also next week, uh, new new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back. Yep. Which is fitting, because I know you said Supergirl goes on break. And do these other shows go on break too? They might. Usually, they go on break around the same time. I I don't know actually. Let's let's double check that through the power of the internet because we're not quite at forty minutes yet. And because you know this is good entertainment, you know, waiting around. I have a feeling Legends goes on break because that was a real like finale feeling thing. Yeah, actually, no. Legends doesn't go on break. Oh, does it not? Uh, I don't see another episode. Well, okay. Well, you saw the trailer for Flash, so maybe there will be another one next week. But I'm looking right here at the uh, solicitations on Google, and they don't have another one uh, slated that I can see. 
unless I'm totally blind. Oh, no, wait, yeah, okay, next week, uh, there will be one, April. Oh, no, it doesn't come back till April 25th. Oh, there you go. Flash doesn't come back till April 25th. Fuck, that's a long time to wait for Flash. It is. And it's called uh, The Once and Future Flash is the name of the episode, huh? Yeah. Shit, that's uh, that's gonna be a bit, but ooh, but Tom Cavanaugh is actually directing that episode. Oh, awesome. Oh, shit, he's getting a director credit. Good for him. Cool. I've said before, Tom Cavanaugh is like the secret weapon of that show. <laughs> he well, really actually, is. Which actually, shit, that's the funny thing. There was no Harrison in this week's episode. Yeah, he or he appeared like for like two seconds at the end. That's it. Right. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that, too. Like the post-credit stinger for Flash was, you know, oh, uh, Caitlin has become Killer Frost now, like officially. Yeah, because, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, that was another thing. I felt they kind of fumbled that thing, although I think that will lead to an interesting story down the line. Because if you'll recall, when Vibe looked into the future, he saw himself and Caitlyn fighting each other to the death, and we don't know why. But we had Caitlyn in this episode say, oh, if I turn, just let me die. Don't let me become Killer Frost. It would be interesting if I was writing it at least, to see kind of Cisco take the blame for Julian Malfoy and be like, no, he didn't do it, I did it, fight me. Yeah, I maybe see them doing that, yeah. But then I'm like, I don't know, man, you've been dropping the ball on this stuff recently, I don't know if you'll do it right. <laughs> but that's just me talking. So on that note, everyone, we'll just about bring this episode to a close. Hey, Matt, we hit that 40-minute uh, mark that I like to hit for this show. Awesome. So there you go. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. As always, if you want to download this podcast or the Comic Multiverse, the other show Matt and I do and carry it around with you all the time, you can find that over on our SoundCloud page. You can also subscribe to me over on Cape Joel, and you can subscribe to Matt over on... Fortress of Solitude. There you go. Thank you, everyone, for embracing this show. We hope you liked it, and we will be back again next week. Bye-bye. See ya.